This is the Radio Bible Class, and I'm your host, Tim Carter. We welcome you to our Bible study as the Radio Bible Class streams across the nation and around the world. We bring to you a message how Christ ministers to his disciples after the resurrection. We greet you on the internet and radio with a message that Jesus is alive today. Now today's lesson is titled, Becoming Undignified, and it comes from 2 Samuel 6, 1 through 23. But before we start our lesson today, we're talking, could you use your support? Now, playing music on the radio may sound simple, but actually it's quite costly due to publishing rights and royalties. And before that first song is ever played, there's utility bills and tower rental fees and maintenance and so forth. We need people just like you to help with the tax-deductible gifts. So won't you do that today? You can do that by calling us at 601-483-8648. And there they can take your information safely and securely over the phone. Our Mellisher gift, the Word Talk, Inc., P.O. Box 4334, Meridian, Mississippi, 39304. Now, your gift, the Word Talk, Inc., is IRS approved as a 501c3 tax-exempt ministry. Your contribution is never used for salaries or managerial purposes, but 100% of it goes to the expense providing the good news of Jesus Christ to our listening area. Hebrews 13:16 says, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. If you'd like to go back and listen to a previous lesson, you can do that by going to our podcast website. That's Radio Bible Class with no spaces between radiobibleclass.podbean.com or catch us on any of the podcast places that you listen to your podcast, whether that's iTunes, whether that's on Spotify, whether that's on Amazon or wherever. Wherever you listen to your podcast, we are there too. Today, we continue our study in the book of 2 Samuel and we look at one of the verses that I really like. Matter of fact, there's a song called Undignified. It says, I will dance, I will sing, to be mad for my king. Nothing, Lord, is hindering this passion in my soul. I will dance, I will sing, to be mad for my king. Nothing, Lord, is hindering this passion in my soul. And I'll become even more undignified than this. Some say it's foolishness, but I'll become even more undignified than this. Leaving my pride by my side, I'll become even more undignified than this. Some say it's foolishness, but I'll become even more undignified than this. We would sing this song in kids' church all the time, and we would have fun with it, becoming undignified before the Lord. And today's lesson is about David becoming undignified before the Lord, dancing and telling his wife that he'll even become more undignified in front of the Lord. When David finally became king of the nation of Israel, he really did two important things that established first Jerusalem as a capital city. He wanted to put God on display right in the center of the promised land. And then the second thing he did is he brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And that again established Jerusalem as the center of worship. Hopefully everyone listening to me knows about the Ark of the Covenant, but you can find out about the construction of it back in the book of Exodus, chapter 37 through the first 10 verses or so. See, the Ark was made of acacia wood and it was overlaid with gold. And the dimensions of it were three and three quarters foot by two and a quarter foot by two and a quarter. The lid was made of solid gold. It had cherry beams sitting on the top of it. And they were facing one another with their tips of their wings touching. And inside the ark were kept three things from Israel's history. The Ten Commandments were there, Aaron's budding staff, and then a sample or a collection of manna was in there. And the ark represented the very presence of God. 
And as you study the Old Testament, you find out that this presence of God was God when he chose to hover above as spirit right over the ark. Now, if all of that is hard for you to imagine, maybe you think about the movie Indiana Jones, and they kind of got it right. You know, Indiana Jones goes and finds the Ark of the Covenant, except it's stolen by the Germans from him. As they get ready to open it up and see what's inside of it, Indiana Jones says, don't look at it, cover yourself. And everyone that opened the Ark right there in that movie um, immediately melted. And today we're going to see that something similar happens. Someone touches the Ark and they immediately die. With all that said, let's jump right in. Turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter 6. We'll start in verse 1. I'll be reading out the ESV. David again brought together all the able young men of Israel, 30,000. And he and all his men went to Bala in Judah to bring up the ark of God, which is called by the name, the name of the Lord Almighty, who was enthroned between the cherubim on the ark. They set on the ark of God a new cart and brought it from the house of Abinadab which was on a hill. Uriza and Ohio, the sons of Abinadab, were guiding the cart with the ark of the God on it, and Ohio was walking in front of it. David and all Israel celebrating with all their might before the Lord with cassinets, harps, lyres, timbrels, sistrums, and cymbals. When they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzariah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. The Lord's anger burned against Uriah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him dead, and he died there beside the ark of God. Then David was angry because the Lord's wrath had broken out against Uriah, and to this day that place is called Perez-Uriah. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? He was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed him and his entire household. We're going to stop right there for now. Today's passage of Scripture is about right and wrong worship. I don't want to ever impede anybody's worship and their worship time. But worship is even more than just our praise and our singing to the Lord. But a lot of times we think of worship as that. A lot of churches, sadly, have turned this into a production. It's no longer about singing songs before the Lord and worshiping the Lord. It's turned into a production. It's no longer about Him. It's about them. They have to have the lighting right. They have to have the smoke there. They have to create an environment and an illusion, even though it's nice to see, has nothing to do with the praise. The praise and the worship comes from our heart. And what we're going to see today is they first started out with wrong worship. And a matter of fact, they gave convenient worship. See, if you remember, the Ark of the Covenant has been sitting at this place for over 20 years. It was lost in battle because it was taken into battle as a good luck charm. If we take the Ark of the Covenant into battle with us, we can't lose. And guess what? They lost and the Ark of the Covenant was stolen. It was then taken in front of the idols. The main idol, Dagon, was set right there by it. If you remember in 1 Samuel, Dagon fell over every day the priest would come in. 
Eventually, the Ark of the Covenant was put on a new cart with two bulls, and it was sent back. They took the cart, they tore it apart, and then they sacrificed those cows back to the Lord. All through the Old Testament, the Ark represented the presence of God. Where it went, He went. And He had standards on how the Ark was supposed to be dealt with. And let me just go ahead and tell you, our God is a God of standards. He has demands, and we are to follow those demands. But as we read right here, they didn't follow the demands, which was to carry the ark by Levites on a pole through some rings that were on each side of the ark. Instead, they took the convenient way, and they built a new cart. They put the ark on it. It will be a lot easier to transport it this way than to find priests to carry it on poles. But they were not following God's commandments. They were not following God's standard. And because of that, someone dies. Exodus 25, 14 says, You shall put the poles in the rings on the side of the ark, and the ark may be carried by them. And we're going to see in a minute that David realizes this. He goes back and he studies this. And that's how they do get the ark back. But right now, David's trying to take the easy way out. And they're laughing, they're, they're worshiping, they're dancing until things go wrong. David and the nation of Israel have now decided to take God in the convenient way of worship. And I feel like the Lord is speaking to someone today that you have put your worship on the cart instead of carrying it like the Lord has told you to. Being on church staff, I can tell you that people want their worship the way they want it. They want it to sound a certain way. They want it to look a certain way. They want it to be what they want instead of coming out of their heart worshiping to God. You may be saying, Tim, you're getting way overboard. You're becoming too conservative. We live in a time of freedom. Well, that's not what the Bible really teaches us. If you go back to the book of Leviticus, chapter 10, 1 and 2, we see that Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took their censer and put fire in it. And they put incense on it, and they offered a profane fire to the Lord, which he had not commanded them to do. So when the fire went out, the Lord devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Is what you're putting before the Lord today profane? Can you only worship in a particular style that's about you and for you? You need that style, you need that sound, you need the songs that you need to hear. Some people refuse to worship altogether. They just sit on the bench. They don't worship at all, or either they show up to church late. We used to have folks that would come in late after worship. Don't get me wrong. We need to create a worship experience that benefits us. But worship isn't supposed to be easy for us, and it's not supposed to be for us. It's supposed to be us worshiping God. So are you creating a convenience for you to worship God? That's what David did. The second thing I want you to see is don't treat God as a common thing. How did it become a common thing? Well, we see in this part of the scripture that the ark is put on a cart. It has animals pulling it. The animal then stumbles as they get to the threshing floor, and Uzzah grabs it to keep it from falling off the cart, and he's struck dead from touching it. No one was to touch the ark, and he violated that, and boom, he's dead. Somewhere through time, he had lost sight of God's holiness and God's command. Do you remember what happened after the ark came back to the nation of Israel in 1 Samuel 6, verse 19? Over 50,000 people died for looking into the ark. I think back about that movie, 
Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones and the melting face of that dude that looked into the ark. They profaned God's business and they did not respect his holiness. In each of these examples, we see that God is being treated just as a common thing. Again, you may be going, Tim, you're getting way overboard here. Let me tell you something. The opposite of holy isn't unholy. It's common. It's treating God as a common thing. Treating God like we're buddy buddies. Sometimes we get to a point where we don't see God and how holy he is and how reverent we should be towards him. Do you remember what got Saul from being king? In 1 Samuel 13, Saul is chastised for offering the wrong sacrifice. It wasn't his job to do. It was Samuel's job to do. But Saul couldn't wait, so he went ahead of Samuel, and he took something and made it common, not special, not holy. This is a problem we see throughout the Bible. The Apostle Paul chastised the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11 because they made taking the Lord's Supper a common thing. They made it into a meal and a glutton. They made it into the haves and the have-nots. The best analogy I can give you of this is when you started dating your wife or your significant other. I think about how when I dated my wife, how I would make sure I was showered, I had the right perfume, I shaved just perfectly, my hair was just right before I ever went and picked her up. Now that we're married, there's times we go out to eat and I still have been working or whatever. I'm sweaty. I don't smell as good as I should. We go on a date night and instead of me taking the time to treat her the way I did before we were married, I treat her as a common thing. And this has spoken so dearly to me as I've studied this lesson. Some of you understand what I'm trying to say. I pray today that the Lord will renew that first love that you had for him and you'll see the reverence and the holiness of God and what he did for you and you won't take him just as a common thing. Isaiah 46, 9 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. God is holy and he's precious. The ungodly recognize the holiness of God more than we do as believers. See, they respect not coming into the church because they say, I'm not worthy. I got to go clean myself up. I got to go get things right before I can get right with the Lord because they understand his holiness. But sometimes we come into the church and we don't think anything about the sins that we bring in there. And it takes the Holy Spirit to convict us so that we, instead of coming in and crying before the Lord, he has to come knock on our heart and convict us again. So we ask for forgiveness of those sins from this previous week. We come to church and we don't really show God the respect that he should have. We believe God is just kind of like the pastor. It's just God. We're buddies. We're okay. We're good. And even though that's true, we should take and respect God's holiness. So my question to you is, have you lost the holiness of God in your life? Are you treating him like a common thing? Do you show up on Sunday and Wednesday not prepared? To, or do you prepare before you come to church to get your heart ready to worship God and to hear from him? Do you have respect or the fear of the Lord? I know sometimes you can't help it, but it's amazing to me the people that come in late during the service or they get up and they get down during the service, during the preaching that's going on. 
We would teach the kids in kids' church that there's a time to be able to go to the bathroom. There's another time that we need to be focused and worshiping the Lord. But as I've stood on the pulpit talking to the adults, sometimes they're no better than the kids. But what happened got David's attention. Verse 9 tells us David was afraid of the Lord that day. I don't think it was a worry but it was an awesome respect that came back over him about the Lord and what was being done. This passage of scripture says that he no longer wants to move the ark and he parks it for over three months till he figures out what's the right thing that he should be doing. I promise you if God started striking people dead that were not worshiping in spirit and truth as his word tells us, that were taking him and making him common, that all of us would be like David. We would wake up. We would have a new fear for the Lord. The third thing I want you to see is that David goes back and he understands what he's supposed to do and he does it right. And then he worships with all his might. Look at verse 12 with me real quick. Now David was told that the Lord had blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring up the ark from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. And as the ark of the Lord entered into the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window and and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised in her heart. They brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And David sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before the Lord. And after he finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the Lord in the name of the Lord Almighty. Then he gave a loaf of bread and cake of dates and a cake of raisin to each person in the whole crowd of Israel. Both men and women, all the people went to their homes. When David returned home to bless the household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has disgusted himself today, going around half-naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from this house when appointing me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. David spent three months getting the right people together and understanding how to bring the ark back. He did the right thing bringing the ark back, but the second time he did it the right way. He had Levites that carried it. We see that in 1 Chronicles. In verse 13, we see that it says, when those who were bearing the ark of the Lord that were carrying it on the poles like they were supposed to went six paces, they stopped and they sacrificed an oxen and a fatted sheep. This time they had their heart right. They had the order right. And now they're getting their worship right. Deuteronomy 6.5 tells us, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And David was doing that. He was worshiping with all his might. He was worshiping before the Lord. He had taken off his royal clothes. It said he did have an ephob on. 
but because his royal clothes were off, he was showing reverence. See, his show was for God, not for him. Let me stop and ask you, where are you with your worship? What do you think about and how do you act in your worship? Some people are a bit reserved. They're worried about what people might think that's around them. David didn't care, even told his wife that. Some people do extravagant worship because they want people around them to see it and they want to get the praise. They want people to say, look how holy they are. I can remember when contemporary Christian music came out. There were people that said, that is of the devil. I remember telling several folks that I don't know if it's of the devil or not. What I can tell you, if they're up there playing that type of music because that's the way they worship the Lord, then who are we to tell us that that is not worship? Just because it doesn't fit into our mold. Some people are reserved. Others are extravagant. But worship is collective. It takes both. We don't have to fit into someone else's mold. We have to worship from our heart. Jesus repeated what I told you about Deuteronomy in Mark 12, 30. He said, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. So let me ask you again, where are you with your worship? What do you think about and how do you act in worship? We've looked at don't give God convenient worship or easy worship. Don't treat God as a common thing. Worship God in spirit and truth. And then don't let others stop your worship. That's how I want to wrap up today. Look back at verse 20 with me real quick. Michal says, how glorious was the king of Israel today? How he distinguished himself going around half naked in view of slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. But I love David. He doesn't pause one second. He tells Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people. I will celebrate before the Lord. He says, I don't care what you think. I will celebrate before the Lord. Who are you to accuse me of how I celebrate the Lord? And then he takes it one step further. As Emeril Lagasse would say, he turns it up a notch. He says in verse 22, I will become even more undignified than this. I told you about the song we used to sing in kids' church and have fun with. But David actually says that I will become even more undignified this before the Lord. I will be humiliated in my own eyes is what he says. Listen to what the Lord said through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 51, 7. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, you people in whose heart is my law. Do not fear the reproach of men, nor be afraid of the insults. Here's my final question to you today. Is what people think about you affecting your worship? Is what's going on around you affecting your worship? Are you more worried about what other people think or what God thinks? The Apostle Paul told the church at Philippi in Philippians 2, verse 5 through 8, Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in the human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. What Paul is telling the church at Philippi is that we need to take on the form of humility and the form of servant, and we need to quit worrying about what other people say, and we should just focus on the Father and work on his mindset. 
The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 4.10 that we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we are dishonored. Let me ask you, have you ever heard the phrase that it is for an audience of one? It's not for anyone else but him. And that's what that phrase says, is that when we come to worship, we shouldn't take it as a convenient way of worship. We shouldn't take it as a common way. Yet we should do it the right way. We should do it in spirit and truth, and we shouldn't worry about what other people say or care because it is about an audience of one. It is about us and him, not those around us. David told that very thing to Michael. He says, I'm not ashamed of humbling myself before the Lord who rejected your father. He rejected your house because of the pride and the disobedience. Unfortunately, Michal didn't share David's enthusiasm, and because of it, she was barren. The Bible finishes up by telling us she never had a child. How is your worship today? Do you worship when it's convenient? Do you treat God as a common thing? Or are you truly worshiping Him in spirit and truth? Let us pray. Dearly Father, we come before today, Lord. We thank you for our time together. Lord, I pray right now that whoever you're speaking to, Maybe there are those that have not worshipped you. They've become convenient. Maybe they're sitting at home because they don't want to have to get dressed and go to church because of COVID that's now become easy not to get back in the house of the Lord. Lord, I pray today that you'll knock on their heart and you'll tell them, come back. Come to me. Worship me in spirit and in truth. Maybe there's one today that does come to church, but they keep their hands in their pocket, or maybe they're all over the place because they want people to see them, or they don't want people to see them. They're worried about what somebody else thinks. Lord, I pray today that you would help them see that it's not about to tune out what's everything around them and only worship you. Don't worship themselves. Don't bring attention to themselves, or don't try to keep attention from themselves, but worship you. Lord, let them learn to worship you in spirit and truth. Lord, I pray today, whoever it is, whatever it is, and how they're worshiping, Lord, that if there's something wrong, that you will prick their heart. Let them understand that there's something that they need to work on. Just like David was awakened when this happened to him, and we see that he did it right. He came back and he worshiped you as holy. He kept you holy. He kept you not as a common thing or a convenience, but he kept you holy like we're supposed to keep you holy. Lord, maybe there's one today that doesn't know you. Lord, I pray today would be the day. Lord, your word tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that we all need a Savior. Lord, I pray today you would help them understand that. Lord, you'd help them see that they are lost and that there is a hell and one day they will go to it if they don't make you Lord of their life. Lord, I pray today they would understand that you went to the cross. You made a way. You took on human and you became the perfect sacrifice. You nailed their sins to the cross. Lord, not only that, but you overcame death. Lord, I pray today that they would understand that they're lost and that they need you and they'll ask you to be Lord of their life. Lord, they'll turn from their ways and they'll chase after you and they'll confess you before men. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings you give this ministry. It's in your name we pray. Amen.